If you're joining us for the first time today, thanks for coming. You've come in the middle of the story, and what we're looking at today isn't the whole story. We're in the middle of the book of Romans, and the middle of the book of Matthew. We're in the middle of reading through the Bible in a cycle every three years. If you were confused or concerned by what you heard in the passages we read today, you're not alone. I've been wrestling with them for weeks. I looked many places for insight and guidance. Knowing that we cycle through the Bible, I was able to find Pastor Ben's sermon from July 2020 that covered the same passage of Matthew. And I noticed these four things. First of all, I'm so grateful that we were able to watch services from home during 2020. Second, at that time, although we were going through the same part of Matthew, it was paired with Genesis, so the scriptures aren't exactly the same. Third of all, wow, I am so impressed by the quality of the videos that we are able to produce now to share with the folks watching from home. No longer handheld and wobbly with grainy resolution. So kudos to the AV team, and thank you, church, for your investment since then in upgraded cameras, upgraded sound system, and a modern internet connection. The fourth thing I noticed watching this video was Pastor Bing gave a great message. Kudos to you, church, for attracting amazing people who serve here. Pastor Ben's message said, The parts of our lives are entangled together like weeds and wheat, that we are simultaneously sinner and saint, that on the day of judgment the part of us that does evil will be thrown in the fire, and what is left will be the part of us that's the child of God. By comparison to that great message, what do I have to share And why do you, the church, keep coming back if you've heard it before? Well, obviously I'm not Pastor Ben, and all I have to share is a part of my story. 22 years ago, Ryan and I got married and became a family of two. I was halfway through college. He was about to start grad school. We lived in a townhouse, and the yard was too small for a dog. But we still wanted a pet. Long story short, I talked Ryan into a bird. We looked at a few and got offered one that was free. Her name was Kima. She was not without her flaws. Did I mention we were college students and she was free? The catch was that if she didn't work out, we were supposed to return her to the lady who was offering her to us. So we got Kima, who was 10 years old. She liked showers, food, and attention. She had a habit of plucking her feathers. So as you can see here, she was partly bald. For those of you that see better with your ears than you do with your eyes, I'll describe my pictures as I go along. Kima was a severe macaw, which is larger than a cockatiel and smaller than the big macaws. Here she is standing on top of the shower door, missing feathers from under her wings and on her legs. So here we were with a returnable pet who was far from perfect, trying to decide, is this bird going to be a part of our family? Maybe we should have waited till we had a yard. Then we could get a normal pet like our friends. (laughs) 
This is a picture of me with my friend Beth and her small, fluffy, cute dog. That's a good pet. Or how about this one? It's a picture of my friend Kathy, who's here today, with her short-haired dog, Wally, and they're exploring the top of Table Mountain. Are there good pets and bad pets, like there are good seeds and bad seeds in today's passage from Matthew? Some that are life-giving and some that should be kept out of the barn? Our passage from Romans today says that creation is longing, groaning, and in bondage to decay. Kima was in bondage to self-decay in plucking her feathers. So we tried to distract her with food, toys, attention. We even took her on trips. In this picture, Kima is standing on a fence rail overlooking a river in an Oregon State Park. She never really flew, so we could carry her pretty much anywhere on our hand or our shoulder. Kima went with us to the beach. Here she is on Ryan's hand when he had short hair. (laughs) They're at the beach at um, Dillon Beach in California. When we weren't on trips, we tried to keep Kima's cage clean and interesting. Well, that led to this scenario. Ryan climbed inside the cage, (laughs) and he doesn't fit. He's crouching down and looks like he's about to break something. And to some extent, all of our efforts worked. Some of Kima's feathers grew back. She was beautiful. White face, black beak, green down her head and back, blue and red on her tail and her wings. She was also amusing. She could say a few words like, Hello, Kima, come here. She could show off her wings as she is in this picture. She could bob her head like she was dancing. She could make kissing noises. She could whistle. And we taught her how to give high fives. And she was unique. Any of my childhood friends will tell you that I've never shied away from being unique. When we hit fourth grade, they did kindly and lovingly discourage me from running around on all fours like a horse. So maybe this beautiful and unique bird was a good pet, a good seed, a creature worth having in our family. But she was also naughty. If she got on the counter, she would chew up any fruit she could find. Bananas and apples were her favorite, and in this picture, she's chewed her way into several bananas. Ryan and I moved into a house. We got a dog as a second pet. And in this picture, Kima's hanging upside down from Ryan's hand, saying, drop me a little bit lower. I really want on the dog's bed so that I can chase her away from it. She could squawk and scream, and it was deafening. You'd want to cover your ears or leave the room. She didn't know the hymn lyrics, this is my father's world. The birds, their carols raise. Now, she was just making obnoxious noise. She would chew up the edges of my sock drawer and then bite me when I tried to get her out. In fact, she would also bite the people who pet sit for us, and some of them wouldn't pet sit a second time. Maybe this destructive, feisty jerk was not a good pet. Maybe she was a bad pet, a bad seed, 
Maybe she didn't belong in our family. In Jesus' parable, the slaves asked the householder if they should go and gather the weeds that don't belong in the field of wheat. The reply is that both the wheat and the weeds should grow together until the harvest. The wheat is life-giving, worth putting in the barn. The weeds could be poisonous. They could be the opposite of life-giving. In fact, as I was looking for insight on this talk, I read through some study Bibles that said the weeds in this passage could be referring to a specific kind of weed called darnel, which is like wheat, like it looks similar when it's young, but then the seeds of it are actually poisonous, and you get in trouble for putting it in someone else's field. After hearing the parable about the weeds, the disciples wanted more clarity from Jesus, so they asked him later to explain it. Do I just need to be closer? Is that better? Is that turned off? Well, we went from buzzing to on. You want me to just talk real loud? Oh, there we go. All right. So Jesus' disciples wanted him to explain the parable of the weeds. Maybe they were wondering how the parable applied to them. Did they see themselves as the slaves who check in with the master for instruction, who keep a close watch on the field and are ready to deal with the weeds? Did they see themselves as the reapers who get to harvest and make sure the weeds burn? Maybe they were wondering how this parable related to the one before it, the one about seeds spread in different kinds of soil. Maybe they wondered if the time for harvest was close. Perhaps they were looking for reassurance that they were good seeds, children of the kingdom. Well, Kima was not a child. She was a pet. And that distinction became more clear as our family expanded. James was born. And this picture shows baby little James in a bouncer seat, Ryan sitting next to him on the floor reading Dr. Seuss. There is no doubt James was family. Good family. No more letting Kima roam free in the house. Here she is behind the bars of her cage. It didn't feel fair to keep Kima cooped up. She definitely wasn't getting the attention that she had before. And it didn't feel fair to James if he was going to be in danger of getting bit by that strong beak, a beak that could lift a flap of skin on an adult's finger, crack a fingernail, crack a hazelnut. So we decided after having her for seven years, it was time to give Kima back. Kima's delighted to have her picture taken. Ryan and I have been crying because we think this is our final picture with her before we give her away. We had called the lady in San Luis Obispo, holding to our end of the bargain, to return Kima if she didn't work out. Turns out the lady didn't want her back. (laughs) She said, I didn't want to bias you from the beginning, but she was a biter. So we found someone else who was willing to take her. We sent Kima to another family, and we removed from our family the potential of bird screams at nap time and bitten fingers. We were safe and isolated. 
Did the disciples have a sense of relief when Jesus said that angels would come to collect out of the kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers? Did they look forward to a day when evil would be so far gone that it would be burned up? After a week of Kima being gone, we realized that our imperfect family was the right place for Kima, and we took her home again. She had become family and been adopted by us, flaws and all. In Romans, Paul talks about a spirit of adoption, a spirit that has been received, not earned. We have received a spirit of adoption from God, and our spirit can call him Daddy. This spirit frees us from being debtors to the flesh, from being slaves to fear. This spirit, as we heard in last week's reading from Romans, is life-giving, peace-giving, and freeing. Kima did not earn her way into our family. We loved her into our family. The question of whether she had begun as a good seed or a bad seed became irrelevant. Now, she didn't get free reign. We got a baby gate for the doorway to the kitchen where her cage was so that little fingers wouldn't stick their fingers through the bars and get bit. It was when I heard that gate coming down when James was around six years old that I walked in on him making this video. You'll hear James's narration. He's a lifelong storyteller. And you'll hear Kima give her kiss and whistle. You'll also hear her claws and beak as she navigates the bars across the front of her cage to get a front row seat for the attention. She also bobs her head and is thrilled to have her video taken. But at the end, she does give a low-volume squawk when the camera turns away from her. Now, you can see her movie, but I have dropped it. So here she is. She's right there. Just, just squawking away. There's a cave right there. Right there. And mommy right here is my mother. Do I know that? At the end of the video, James had noticed I entered the room. And when he turned the camera on me, I had signed to him, I love you. You can see that Kima was bald again from being bored and getting back into her habit of plucking her feathers, her chest, her sides, the legs, the top of her wings, pretty much bald. Creation is still broken, in bondage to decay, groaning and waiting. Kima wasn't done biting others and plucking her own feathers. Just like Christians aren't done sinning, But the Spirit lets us not be debtors to it anymore. We no longer have a debt that we owe the flesh. As adopted children of God, children of the kingdom, led by the Spirit we've freely received, we have been set free. What about those other children, the children of the evil one? Are they really going to burn? How do we tell wheat from weeds? Who are evildoers? Can bad seeds change? Is that why we don't pull them up right now? I don't have a good answer. But I remember that we're in the middle of the story. The story of a God who is patient 
loving, and merciful. Last month we heard in Romans chapter 7, Paul found that even when he wanted to do good, evil was right there with him. Last week in Romans we heard that the law of the life-giving spirit has set us free from the law of sin and death. Spoiler alert, next week in the book of Romans we're going to hear that nothing can separate us from God's love. And in the Gospels, we hear that God so loved the world that he sent his son. Jesus came to love us and adopt us. If the disciples were supposed to hear themselves as the slaves in the parable, the slaves were not the ones who got to say who was who between the wheat and the weeds. Their job was to not uproot the good and to be content that evil would be dealt with. In Romans, Paul is confident that sufferings exist in the here and now, and that those sufferings pale in comparison to the glory that's on its way. Our passage today tells us that we're hoping for things we do not see, waiting with patience, wheat and weeds tangled together, adopted into an inheritance of current suffering and future glory. In the midst of waiting and hoping, Why do we, as the church, keep coming back? We come back because there's more to be found. Because church is a place to remind ourselves of who God is and what God has done. A place to love and be loved. To serve and be served by people who are both fabulous and flawed. Beautiful and broken. Sinner and saint. A place to love each other into family. A family reflecting God's love with a place at the table for everyone.